Hello, it's great to see you again. You're with MLEX's weekly podcast covering the top regulatory stories of the moment. James Paniki with you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Now, this week we're going to cover the regulatory fallout from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Of course, all of this pales into insignificance when compared to the human toll of the war. Nonetheless, our reporters have been working away to try to gain some understanding on how these tragic events will reverberate around the world. In just under 10 minutes from now, our London-based financial crime reporter Martin Coyle will be joining us to discuss how the long-awaited UK financial crime measures have been given a new lease of life. First up, though, to the central role that social media is playing in the invasion. Indeed, it's hard to think of any geopolitical event in recent times in which the stance of internet platforms has been so controversial and so closely scrutinised. The United States and the European Union have already urged social media to curb Russian disinformation. Some platforms have acted, sparking a backlash from the Russian government. So how is Silicon Valley dealing with these unprecedented challenges? Mike Swift is MLEX's global digital risk correspondent, and he joins us again this week from San Francisco. And Mike, firstly, what's the latest on how companies like Google, Meta and Twitter are reacting to Russia's invasion of Ukraine? Right. So it's a very um, fluid, fast-moving situation. Um, The media obviously has always been part of war through propaganda, but um, what we're seeing in this conflict, I think, is something new where uh, online social media platforms like YouTube, Meta and Twitter are not just conveying information, they are central to the conflict. And this earlier this week, MLEX and other journalists were briefed by Nick Clegg, who is Meta's uh, pr- president of public policy, who um, said that uh, particularly Facebook is um, really at play here. Um, from the Russian side, they are getting throttled. Their services are being slowed down, so it's tougher to see uh, videos, uh, content uh, within Russia. But on the other hand, they are trying to police and combat what they call a coordinated inauthentic behavior, which is essentially a coordinated effort to broadcast fake news and propaganda into the Ukraine. Um, beyond that, they're seeing um, efforts to actually hijack Instagram and Facebook accounts within the Ukraine, where software called Ghostwriter goes in and and, uh, tries to basically take over the identity of um, Ukrainian accounts and then use that as a platform to broadcast uh, fake news and propaganda. So the social networks are very much trying to push back on that. uh, And it's really a a two-way conflict uh, on these platforms right now. So what are the regulatory stakes for international social media platforms? How serious is this for them? I think it's very serious. We don't really know yet. I mean, we're only one week into this conflict. We don't know how this is going to shake out, but it certainly looks like it's going to be significant. And you can see uh, a number of ways this could play out. One is that this is an opportunity for the likes of Google and Meta and Twitter to rehabilitate their images uh, before regulators in Europe and the United States. Um, We're seeing the the very top levels of these companies uh, cooperating directly with Western governments in in the U.S. and the EU. That could be a plus for them. 
On the other hand, one of the things that these companies worry the most about is a phenomenon called data localization, where uh, data will be less free to flow across national boundaries. And it's certainly possible, likely even, I would say, that um, we're going to see a growth in that whole uh, movement, which is a big problem for these platforms um, as a result of this conflict. And what existing tech uh, policy issues or problems could in fact be aggravated or exacerbated uh, by this crisis? Well, over the last uh, you know, two years or so, we've seen so much regulatory pressure on the likes of Facebook from regulators in Australia, uh, New Zealand, uh, United States, Europe, and elsewhere about misinformation and um, abhorrent content, as it's called in some places, in Australia, for example. And if these platforms really are not able to mount uh, an effective defense to the Russian disinformation campaigns, if they become really a vector as... um, a prominent senator in uh, the United States warned, uh, Mark Warner warned this week, then they're going to have problems. They could see an increase in regulatory pressure if they are allowed, they allow their platforms to become a tool of Vladimir Putin. That's not going to be good for them. So um, while there are opportunities here, there are certainly risks as well. And uh, Mike, what's the NotPetya virus and how could it be an omen for the wider, even global impact of this war? Right. So from the first hours of this conflict, we were uh, told that uh, to expect cyber attacks from the Russians on Ukrainian infrastructure. And NotPetya was an earlier version of that type of cyber attack. This was a a malware that was um, distributed by uh, Russian intelligence agencies to computer networks in Ukraine. And it was really targeted on the Ukraine in 2017 in the wake of the Crimea annexation. But NotPetya did not stay in the Ukraine. Uh, The internet dispersed it, sort of like uh, the coronavirus. And ultimately, um, this virus damaged computer networks across around the world. It it caused an estimated $10 billion worth of damage. And it's even changed other industries and um, industries that have nothing to do with technology. One interesting case that we've been following is an insurance dispute between Mondelez International, International, which makes Oreo cookies and um, Triscuit uh, biscuits and uh, or crackers, as they're called in the United States, and uh, an insurance company called Zurich American, which refused to pay Mondelez uh, on their $100 million claim when they, they had uh, from damages from the NotPetya virus. So th- this is a, a conflict that could spread in ways we really can't anticipate in these early days of the war. Mike, thank you so much for walking me through these issues today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, James. And Mike Swift is, of course, MLEX's global digital risk correspondent. He's a member of our San Francisco team of reporters and his analysis of Big Tech's response to the conflict is online and ready for you to read and enjoy. Our website is easy enough to find. It's mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. There's a tab there called News Hub, and that's where you need to be for the very best of our reporting and analysis, along with an archive of podcasts ready to be downloaded on your device of choice. I'm James Paniki from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team. Thank you for making it this far.
And of course, you can subscribe to MNEX Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Now, the escalating war in Ukraine has helped to focus the attention of lawmakers in the United Kingdom, with the government preparing legislation designed to crack down on suspect money that's flowing through the country's financial system. The legislation has been on the back burner for years, but the Russian crisis has brought it to the fore. Martin Coyle is a senior MLEX reporter. He covers financial crime from London, and he joins us right now. So, uh, Martin, what's happening here? I mean, what has the UK government put before Parliament? Yes, James. So, hi. Um, So, this week, the government introduced its long-awaited Economic Crime uh, Transparency and Enforcement Bill, to give it its true title, which sets out a number of changes uh, designed to crack down on suspect money flowing through the UK's uh, financial and property system. Um, Now, this legislation has been on the back burner for a number of years, uh, but it's been uh, fast-tracked following Russia's invasion of Ukraine and concerns about the levels of suspicious Russian money in the country. And now there's a background to this new piece of legislation, uh, isn't there? I mean, it's happening at a particular moment in time. Yes, there there certainly is. So there's been a bit of history to this. um, And some of the measures that are being um, set out for property transparency have uh, long been promised. And uh, they go back to at least 2016, when um, former UK Prime Minister David Cameron uh, promised a crackdown on opaque companies at a global corruption conference in London. Uh, now, earlier this year, uh, a junior government minister, Theodore Agnew, resigned. Uh, that was in January, um, partly over his concerns that the bill was being shelved once again. However, uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson pledged um, that the new law would be introduced in May. Uh, but now the, the, the war in Ukraine has, ch- has changed all of this and, and, and we are uh, where we are now and it's been um, uh, fast-tracked. OK, so let's look at the law and its possible impact. What does it set out? Okay, so so one of the main main things we have, um, we'll see the creation of a, 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 this, a register of overseas entities. Uh, so this was a, this will um, force foreign owners of UK property to reveal the, their identities, uh, and this is a, in a bid to uh, prevent them laundering money through the, the property market. Um, now, those that don't follow those uh, new rules or, or don't declare their identities will face restrictions on selling their properties, and could face five years in prison. Now. Um, the, the reason behind all of this, there's almost 90,000 UK properties are estimated to be owned uh, through these complex arrangements, and these hinder uh, transparency, hence, hence the need for change. The new law will also include changes to the UK's regime of unexplained wealth orders. Um, this is an instrument that allows prosecutors to target criminal cash by forcing the owners to explain the origin of their wealth. Uh, now, these were introduced with, with great fanfare, it must be said, in 2018, but after some initial success, they've not really been used, and um, government figures show there hasn't been one issued for two years uh, after the uh, National Crime Agency, which has used them principally, uh, was hit with a legal bill of £1.5 million after it failed to um, uh, use one of these orders in court. Now, under these under the new legislation, um, Prosecutors, uh, the NCA, they'll be protected uh, in some way from incurring these legal costs if they bring, and I quote, reasonable and successful cases. So there's some wriggle room there. Um, There will also be an extension of the time available that they can uh, review the documentation uh, related to these unexplained wealth orders. And now, aside from that, there'll also be a tougher sanctions 
regime, uh, which is uh, obviously very topical with all the the, the Russia uh, stuff going on, and that will in, uh, in include higher fines. Now that brings us to how difficult these laws might be to implement.、Uh, what are some of the issues that、uh, enforcers who are tasked with、uh, overseeing this legislation? What are some of the issues that they might face? Well, as ever with these things, it always comes down to money and、uh, enforcement. So, you know, th- there's no point in having these tough new laws if if enforcers don't have the resources or or, or they don't use them properly.、Um, now, now the National Crime Agency and the Serious Fraud Office.、Um, They're often outgunned by targets with deep pockets and expensive lawyers, and and if they're now being told to specifically target these super rich Russian oligarchs, you know that issue will become more more pressing and more more relevant. There's also a risk that if these agencies aren't properly resourced, then the、um, these powers will, will risk languishing, like like the unexplained wealth orders have been,、um, especially when they come up against these competitive,、uh, deep pocketed opponents in court. Yes, indeed. So it's clearly an issue of resourcing as well. But more broadly, what else is happening in this space in the UK? What other developments should we be aware of? Well, aside from this, the government、um, is is looking to afford、uh, is 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 looking to bring a second economic crime bill. Only we have one, but we, we're going to have two now. As part of that, it's、um, set out these proposals to revamp、uh, the UK's Companies House, which is which、uh, holds all the. Corporate ownership、uh, registrations, including in those proposals, they've set out a white paper.、Um, would be ish- would be、uh, moves that would、um, force people to reveal their identities when when setting up companies. Now you, you would have thought that would be、um, something that would happening already, but unbelievably it doesn't.、Um, so these will be included in this、uh, second on economic crime bill,、uh, and there'll also be further measures on. Money laundering, and that could give prosecutors a greater ability to target crypto assets. Aside from that,、uh, the government has also set up a kleptocracy unit、uh, within the National Crime Agency,、uh, which will look at、uh, the people who are evading、um, sanctions. And、um, this will be、uh, separate from the、uh, NCA's、um, International Corruption Unit, which is、uh, which is set up and operating at the moment. Martin,、uh, great talking as always. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, James. Martin Coyle reports on financial crime from the United Kingdom, and his analysis is titled "New UK Financial Crime Measures Must Be Backed Up with Funds for Enforcers." And it's all yours on the free side of the Mlex paywall. Just head for mlexmarketinsight.com. That's mlexmarketinsight.com. The News Hub tab. Will give you everything you need, and subscribers will also notice that there's a new topic to help you search for all Russian-related regulatory news. The button you'll need to click on is called Russia Sanctions, and that's where we're collecting our coverage from all of our different services. Now, I'm afraid this is where this week's podcast comes to an end, but fear not, we'll be back in your feed next Friday at more or less the same time. From everyone here at Mlex and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again very soon. Bye for now.